Welcome everyone to today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. My name is Philip Kingflow, the owner, producer, and host, and I am an autistic adult. Thank you so very much for listening. Today's Autistic Moment is a member of the National Podcast Association. Today's Autistic Moment is always a free-to-listen-to podcast that gives autistic adults access to important information, learns about our barriers, and helps us discover the tools and strengths we need for self-advocacy. This first segment of today's Autistic Moment is sponsored by the Autism Society of Minnesota, Minnesota's first autism resource. The Autism Society of Minnesota has been serving Minnesota's autism community for the past 50 years. Visit them online at AUSM.org. Please go to todaysautisticmoment.com, to the new podcast episodes page, and or the episode index page, to get updates, download shows, program scripts, and interview transcripts. Interview transcripts are sponsored by GT Independence. Also, please follow Today's Autistic Moment on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Be sure to become a member of today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook, where you can meet me, other listeners, exchange conversations, and find program updates, news about subscriptions and bonuses, upcoming shows, and take advantage of special offers. I invite you to help support today's Autistic Moment by visiting my subscriptions and bonuses page. I offer subscriptions for as little as $1 a month to $25 a month with lots of bonuses such as new episodes and the monthly moments newsletter sent directly to you by email, a free stylus and ballpoint pen, and items from the store at discount prices. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash subscribe forward slash. Make plans now to attend the very first Autistic Voices Roundtable discussions on October 20th at 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Six autistic individuals will talk with each other about person-first and identity-first language. There is no cost to attend, and the event will be streamlined on today's Autistic Moments community group page on Facebook. I am so excited to announce that today's Autistic Moment is creating a partnership with the podcast Caregiver Chronicles by Sarah and Jeremy Brown. Sarah and Jeremy are the parents of two autistic children. Just this past week, it was my privilege to be a guest on their show to talk about autistic adults, including this podcast. I strongly advise anyone doing any kind of caregiver work for not only autistic individuals, but people affected by dementia and other health conditions that caregivers are needed. As previously announced, during this episode of today's Autistic Moment and the next, my guest Leah Bowman-Smith and I are going to have some frank conversations about dating, 
Relationships and Sexuality. We will be talking about some very sensitive issues that may be triggering for some and are not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. I also want to be equally clear that these conversations will be intersectional. These conversations will be inclusive of all sexual orientations, gender identities, as well as sexual expressions. We are not here to be judgmental or dismissive of anyone. I sincerely hope I can count on my audience to be receptive and respectful. Among the many stigmas about autistic adults that are totally untrue is that autistic people are not interested in nor are we capable of dating other people, successfully creating healthy relationships, and having an equally healthy sex life. There is a presumption that autistic individuals with less support needs just can't find anyone who will be interested in us because we have too much baggage. The other presumption is that autistic people with higher support needs are completely incapable of having healthy relationships simply because they are nonverbal. None of these presumptions are true. Autistic individuals like myself can be very successful in having great marital relationships and a healthy sex life. My guest, Leah Bauman-Smith, is a special education teacher at Mad Hatter Wellness in St. Paul, Minnesota. The Mad Hatter Wellness has been working on helping disabled people get comprehensive sexual health education programming that educates, trains, and empowers people with disabilities and their support systems. Leah Bauman-Smith is not autistic herself, but she works with others at Mad Hatter Wellness through the truth that all people, regardless of their abilities, have a right to healthy and safe relationships. Leah celebrates sexual diversity and has excellent resources. After this first commercial break, I will begin my conversation with Leah Bowen-Smith. Stay tuned. Today's Autistic Moment can be downloaded and heard on Anchor FM, Apple, Google Play, Breaker, CastBox, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and TuneIn. Support for today's Autistic Moment comes from Best Care Home Care Agency. Best Care offers PCA choice, homemaking, and 245D services throughout the metro and greater Minnesota. Visit their website, bestcaremn.com, to learn more about their services.
welcome back. And now it is my privilege to introduce Leah Bauman-Smith as we begin our talk about autistic adults, dating, romantic relationships, and sexuality. Leo Bauman-Smith, thank you so much for being on this episode of today's Autistic Moment. Um, I want us to have uh, this conversation. I feel it is so important that people recognize that autistic adults are interested in safe, healthy, and, and great dating relationships, romantic, romantic relationships, and sexuality. We are not all asexual, and we do have the desire to love and be loved by others. Um, and so I think we need to make that more clear um, and also to help other autistic adults to understand where our own needs are and what our, what our specifics are. So um, let me begin with my first question that I ask every episode. Um, what important information do autistic adults and our caregivers need to know about in terms of dating, romantic relationships, and sexuality? Yeah, thank you so much for asking that. Um, I think that there are a number of key things that I think everyone needs to know, but definitely um, autistic people and um, people who have kind of been historically left out of sexuality education or have been um, sort of treated like other than or like that or by society or caregivers or school systems um, as like you said, asexual, which is still a sexuality and totally valid. And there's a wide range of um, sexualities within asexuality, but that um, autistic people like, have romantic relationships, have sexual feelings, um, deserve to know, have the information to um, make choices about who they wanna date who they are attracted to, um, who they want to have romantic relationships with, um, if they want to have um, relationships, um, I guess I want to say like non-traditional relationships that people, um, autistic people can be polyamorous, can be queer, can be LGBTQ, that there are a lot of intersections of sexual identity that um, autistic people experience and they deserve to have the same support, education, um, and access to, um, yes, yeah, information around safe sex, like access to information around um, birth control, around STI prevention, um, around um, safe ways to communicate your needs. Um, and so I think that there are just, uh, yeah, and I think that caregivers, there is um, still uh, some values that people hold that um, can be problematic that might be, I'm trying to think of the right word, that as um, I'm, a, I'm a caregiver, I'm a parent, um, it can be hard when someone that you're caregiving for wants to have sex or wants to have a relationship. And I think that um, autistic people, like I said, have been kind of historically left out of the conversation around sexuality and dating and romantic relationships. And so we need to do a lot of supporting of caregivers to make sure that they understand how to support the people that they're caregiving for, that they need to um, encourage um, healthy relationships, to teach about consent, to talk about dating, to teach how to date. Um, 
yeah i feel like i said a lot of things that maybe got a little bit lost in there i would like to begin for myself by saying that it is very possible for autistics to date and find romantic relationships and have a sex a healthy sex life um i am you know proud to say that uh i am a happily married gay man and my husband and i have been together for 12 years we were married uh, eight years ago legally this year this month and so um i often hear the um gaslighting stereotype of that autistic people cannot manage relationships and I am here to say that is not entirely true. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really not true. It's not that we can't have relationships. What we do need is um, a partner in life who will understand and be willing to learn about our autism mm-hmm. and also to learn all the things necessary to um, communicate, to understand our sensory needs and so on and so forth. So um, yes, um, romantic dating and relationships and good sexuality are are achievable for autistic adults. Um, and so we want to make it very clear that this is not some this is not impossible. They can indeed. So let, let, let's let's talk a little bit more about that if we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there are, Um, like you mentioned, a lot of kind of stereotypes out there and that it's our job um, as, so I'm a sexuality educator uh, for people with um, disabilities, but also um, I write curriculum and work in schools and day programs and kind of all over um, Minnesota, but also in a number of states around the country. And um, I think that one of the baseline things is that we just have to have sexuality education um, for all, all of our students, all of our young people, starting at a really young age. Um, I think that uh, for, in my work, we start like preschool all the way through. I teach a class on aging and um, kind of as your body changes, as you become older. And so just knowing that sexuality for everyone is a lifelong process, but that autistic people deserve to have sexuality education taught to them the entire time they're in school. So they understand how, um, and taught in a way that meets their needs, right? So their their talk, um, the education includes talking about sensory needs, talking about um, communication. We know not everyone communicates the same way. Not everyone uses language to communicate. Um, not everyone um, uses body language and um, kind of nonverbal communication the same way. So really helping individuals understand how they communicate and then teaching them how to communicate that to their romantic partners. Um, and then supporting romantic partners and understanding kind of what they what their role is and what they need to do um, in understanding their partner's needs, whether it's, um, we know sex is a very sensory, is a very sensory experience for most yes. people. And so- Yes, and I do think we need to emphasize that. Yeah. Um, because um, there, there have been um, autistic individuals who have shared with me that one of the more difficult things they have communicating with someone they're dating 
entering into a relationship with and being sexually active with that they have the hardest time getting their partners to understand that um, sexuality is a sensory mm -hmm. activity. It involves all of our senses. Mm -hmm. It involves, you know, comfort. It involves hearing, talking, smelling. And um, I can also say that for many, um, it involves how their body is touched, where, when, and how. And um, that, you know, one of the, you know, we'll talk about barriers in a few minutes, but let's just say that one of those really challenging parts is when the autistic individual tries to communicate to the other what their sensory needs and having that sense that the person on the other end is going to listen and actually respond accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is um, definitely, um, I don't think of the right word, like definitely something that I would want and do um, focus on for autistic folks is being able to communicate what, um, yeah, what, how, like what and how sensory can be both of like really scary, but also like a really beautiful part of sex. And then how exactly. to communicate what that, um, and to know that like, I, I was just thinking, I feel like that can be true for a lot of people too. Um, and that I think that communication before, during and after sex is really, it is really important for all relationships. Yeah. But I think that especially if you're focusing on those like sensory, consent and communication needs that being really clear about all of that kind of ahead of time feeling comfortable talking about it within the moment and then being able to reflect on okay so here is what did work for me here's when I felt uncomfortable and making sure that um the partner um whether they are also autistic or not um that they can have the same sort of communication or understand sort of how that works um I've worked a lot yeah. with people who have talked about different, um, I think of the right word. So I, I worked with a woman who talked a lot about how she was like verbal, except for when she would have sex, she would suddenly kind of go into like a nonverbal, um, kind of, she described it as a trance, but sort of like a nonverbal, she, and she didn't notice it. She didn't notice. And she always kind of felt like sex was not as pleasurable or the experience wasn't as positive as she wanted it to be. And then as she got older, and started, we did some classes together and started talking a little bit more. She was like, oh, I think my issue is I, I, I can't speak when I'm having sex. And she's like, that is so important for my partner to know. And so now that she's realized that and her partner knows that they can really communicate kind of ahead of time, like what are some other ways that she feels comfortable communicating or how can her partner respond? And so really digging into some of those kind of nuances around communication um, consent and um, sensory needs are, yeah, just so, so crucial for yeah. having that positive sex um, experience. And it, Much so. Um, and I was going to say too, I think similar with, and not just with sex, like I feel like um, dating in general can include yes. a lot of sensory. Um, Absolutely. 
going out to dinner, going to a movie, holding hands, snuggling, all of that. Um, just like the person's pheromones, how they smell, like there's just their voice, how, um, what they're, you know, how loud or quiet or how they speak, like all of those things, like dating is such a sensory experience. Mm-hmm. So that communication around like what feels comfortable, what feels safe, um, what, um, how can I communicate or how can you, the, the, you know, two or more if they're polyamorous. I know there's lots of people that have more than one partner and that's totally valid and okay too. Um, that people are able to sort of communicate like along the way that's not just like now we're having sex we better communicate really well or now we're gonna have sex it's suddenly a sensory experience but just remembering like the whole process really is yeah yes and um as part of uh pride month we we established that um the, there are diverse sexual orientations and gender identities yes. among the autistic people yes. um for those of my listeners who maybe haven't heard them, please go back to my episode index in June and listen to those two episodes. They are really, really amazing. And the people I interviewed are truly incredible people. After this next commercial break, I will continue my conversation with Leah Bauman-Smith. Stay tuned. GT Independence is a national leader in financial management services for self-directed in-home and community-based long-term support. With self-direction, you have the right to live the life you choose, regardless of age or ability, in your own home or community. At GT Independence, our job is to help make self-direction easy. With self-direction, you make all the important choices, like who to hire, when to schedule support, how to manage your care, and even who to fire if things aren't working out. We take care of the administrative details, including Medicaid waivers, new employee paperwork, taxes, and paychecks. Founded in 2004, GT Independence is a disability-owned business that's proud to have assisted more than 25,000 people in receiving self-directed care from the safety of their own homes during the COVID-19 pandemic. By removing the increased risk of group living settings, self-directed care saved lives. To learn more about GT Independence and how to self-direct care in your state, visit www.gtindependence.com. Are you looking for resources to help you find out about things like COVID-19 vaccine resources? Maybe you would like to find out more about the sponsors for today's Autistic Moment. Would you like to find the resources mentioned by my guests? Then be sure to visit todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash adult links forward slash for the adult autism resources links page. New links are added regularly. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. 
life be great if everything fell in place? Sometimes our lives need a little rearranging. One of the most challenging times is when we experience a major transition, such as job exploration, moving to a new place, or simply when you are defining your path in life. During these challenging times, individuals can feel like there's a great river between you and where you want to go. Looking Forward Life Coaching helps carve a path to the destination that's right for you, then lay the stepping stones so you can accomplish your goals. Visit us at lookingforwardlc.org for more information. One year ago, through the encouragement of vocational rehabilitation professionals, family and friends, I began the idea of creating a podcast for autistic adults. What started as a simple suggestion has become a successful and rewarding opportunity that is helping people to listen to autistic adults talk about the issues that are important to us. During these first nine months, I have published 17 different episodes covering topics like ableism, autism acceptance, justice and employment, diverse sexual orientations and gender expressions, gaslighting, and so much more. I have received emails from autistic people and caregivers alike looking for resources about getting evaluated. In July, podcasters heard a 15-minute clip from the episode Diverse Gender Identities at the first podcastathon for the National Podcast Association. Just recently, the parent of two autistic children shared with me that she has been a certified nurse's aide and has started looking into creating a group of people to come together to advocate for a change in policy that nursing staff and other home health care aides must be trained to work with autistic people. These are all such wonderful achievements. Today's Autistic Moment can do so much more with your help. Go to todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash subscribe forward slash to support the podcast. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. Welcome back to my conversation with Leah Bauman-Smith. Um, let's move on to the second question, uh, which we're already already into, but that Sorry. happens every that, <laughs> no, no, that happens every show. I'm not I'm not worried. What are the barriers for autistic adults, uh, in of all ages, when it comes to dating, romantic relationships, and sexuality? And um, <clears throat> pardon me. Um, Let's talk a little bit about things such as the challenges with meeting new people. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about those challenges with um, one of the challenges that many autistic people have is uh, called theory of mind, mm -hmm. by which we may not be, we are, may not be able to uh, predict or, um, or guess what somebody's 
uh, behavior or response is going to be to something we say or do. Mm-hmm. And that it, it, because of that, it can be really difficult for us to be sure to set our, our, our own boundaries. Um, and then, you know, we just want to talk about that, um, you know, this is one of the barriers um, for, for people, for autistics, many autistics when it comes to dating. And I have to say, and I'm just speaking for myself only here, that, you know, I've been very fortunate because, like I say, my husband and I have been together, you know, 12 years. Mm-hmm. And 10 years ago, this, sorry, 12 years. And um, 10 years ago this year, I was first diagnosed okay. uh, as autistic. And one of the first things the, the, uh, the person who diagnosed me did is he wanted to meet with me and my husband to talk about how we learned how to communicate with each other. We were so fortunate to have somebody who, who would step up and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, even with all of that, if I had to start from scratch at any time, I don't think I would know how because of how much dating has changed and how much, you know, so, so, so let's talk more about some of those barriers that I mentioned, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to meeting, meeting people, creating relationships and beginning to have those uh, healthy sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think that there's, um, yeah, like we said, there's kind of historically a lot of barriers leading up to becoming an adult. So like lack of education, um, society views on sexuality in general, and then definitely society views on sexuality and autistic folks. And so there, um, yeah, there's just the kind of even like before you even reach, you know, sexual maturity, there's all these barriers ahead of time. And mm-hmm. that really sucks. Um, but also then once you are, you know, an adult and able to consent to sexual, to sexual, uh, to sex, um, and sexual activity that there are, yeah, a lot of barriers with, um, yeah, just that, well, to be fair, there's a lot of barriers right now to meet people in general. We know like the pandemic has not created a safer space for people to meet. Um, it has made people maybe a little more creative in how they can connect with people, whether that's virtually um, or outside or however with masks. But um, I don't think that that has made it dating any easier, if not probably much harder. Um, but I think that there are, like you talked about having um, even one supportive person to help kind of outside of the relationship to kind of help talk through. Um, it's really hard when you're in it, when you're in a relationship, um, whether, you know, that having an outside perspective and having someone be able to say like, okay, so tell me, like, how do you communicate? What feels safe for you? Here is how um, generally people respond but it is, it, that's really hard too, because people really respond differently to all kinds of situations. I think that's something I've learned a lot teaching sexuality education is that um, theory of mind is really hard because there are so many different responses that people can have. Right. Um, and there are kind of some good general rules of like, um, especially around like texting, like making sure that you ask before you send a text that might um, talk about sex or um, if you want to send um, or like sexting I'm making sure that you ask before you do something like that right um, but I do think that there are um, 
the people that I've worked with that have had the most successful relationships, um, I think similar to what you said, had someone, had an outside provider, outside caregiver, a therapist, a family member, um, someone that could kind of help them navigate the like rockiness of a new relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, once again, I had that fortunate person, people, but I have heard many who, after they've had a relationship break up, that um, the the person they were dating just would not learn Mm -hmm. about their autism and they would not go to therapy with them. They just would not. There was always the excuse, I'm working, I'm too busy, or and later comes, I just don't want a relationship with somebody that I have to go to a doctor with. They've, they've, people have gotten those replies, unfortunately. Yeah. And, and then there's always the matter of disclosure. When do we, you disclose? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, um, you know, and I, um, I have said, in one of my presentations that if you are, if you start to date somebody and they will not learn about your brand, make and model of autism, and they will not go through the process uh, of, of learning how to communicate well with you, that person is probably not a good person for you to be with. Um, You know, it's just, you know, no, you don't have to put up with that. And I know it's hard because loneliness is a terrible thing to live with when you're autistic it's hard for anybody, but, um, but no, if someone is not willing to learn, you do have the right to say, no, this is not going to work for me. But, you know, those barriers are so real uh, of just finding somebody who, who will hear the word autistic without going, oh my God, my God you know, who will suddenly make this huge excuse, like, I don't want to date somebody with all that baggage. They've heard that. There are autistics who have heard that. Uh, or, or just been, you know, again, badly gaslighted or just had them make excuse. All sorts of things that happen. Let's talk about some of those barriers and maybe even um, some things that many, can, many might be able to do to try to, um, to help with those barriers. Can you talk about some of that? Yeah, well, I think you, made, um, you mentioned this earlier, but I wanted to kind of circle back to it as well as just really digging in deep to like what your boundaries are before you start a relationship. And I think that um, we don't do that. Like, I think in general, people don't really do that. They sort of like wait until a situation comes up before they're like, oh yeah, that's my boundary. And it's really hard to know what your boundaries are if you haven't thought them out ahead of time. Um, And so really thinking about kind of like what you talked about, like what is your boundary for, like if someone isn't respecting the fact that like, yeah, we might need to talk to a doctor. We might need to have, do some therapy. We might need some outside supports in our relationship. And if someone's not willing to do that, like, yep, that's okay to walk away at that point and say like, this isn't going to work for me. Um, but knowing that like, you get to decide what your boundaries are. Like, your body belongs to you. You get to decide kind of um, how, who and when you get to have relationships with, whether they're romantic or friendships. Um, so really thinking through boundaries and getting some support with that, like having a therapist or having a close family member, having someone that you can talk through, like what boundaries are, what feels safe to you. Um, and then thinking about kind of like strategies for, so, um, I 
not in my professional life, uh, but in my personal life, I um, have dated, um, gone on dates with people or autistic people and have um, communicated recently during the pandemic, just via online because not meeting people in person right now. Um, but that uh, being really upfront about it has made it, has helped me out a lot. Has helped me be like, oh, okay, this is what your needs are. Um, okay, let me think about how that would fit into my life. Um, and that was really helpful um, for me with someone that I've um, become very good friends with uh, during that process. Um, but I also think that kind of that disclosure piece um, about autism, um, that, yeah, that is tricky because that um, kind of yeah. how you share about that can yeah. be a big piece. Yeah. I normally, um, if you, if, if you have are fortunate to have a good therapist that understands your autism like that, mm -hmm. uh, my advice is to talk with that therapist before you disclose yeah. and just, just kind of help you to understand this is, this is a good time or this may not be a good time. And sometimes, um, I know, um, I had a friendship that was interesting, but you know, which my therapist at the time said, you know, there, you have a lot of red flags. I don't think you see, and that's another thing that a lot of us often need them to say, that's actually a red flag for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just to help us notice those red flags, because again, uh, we may not recognize the red flags when they occur. Uh, we may not recognize that it's probably not appropriate for the person you start dating tonight to ask to move in next week, you right. know, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, you know, just because of our, our, our real desire to be around somebody, someone. Mm -hmm. So, um, feel free to expound on some of that, if you will. Yeah, no, totally. I think that that is a really good point about, um, kind of, yeah, being, I, being able to identify like what are problematic, um, situations or what, um, and I think too, thinking about like what kind of relationship you want to have before you get into it too. Cause some people, um, you know, might just want to have like a casual relationship, maybe just have sex, maybe just be friends. Like there's such a wide or move in in a week, you know, like there's such a wide yeah. range of kind of what, um, so like you talked about talking to someone ahead of time, like what, what are you looking for? Like what kind of relationship, um, what kind of supports do you need with the different types of relationships? Cause right. they're depending on kind of how serious or how, um, I want to, I don't know what the right word, how involved this person becomes in your life would kind of depend on what sort of boundaries you need to set and think about kind of what those red flags are. And yeah, I think that have like, I know therapy is one of those things where like it can be expensive and it can be hard to access sometimes, but if you can find someone, an outside resource that can really help you talk through like, yes, what are red flags? Um, what are unsafe situations? Um, and then also, but also like, what are healthy relationships? What are green mm -hmm. flags? We talk about, like, what are green flags? Like when you meet someone who's like really excited to learn more about you or who um, is really um, invested in supporting you. And like you talked about, like with your husband, like being able to go with you to the doctor's appointments. And so um, I think a lot of times we focus a lot on 
which makes sense. Focus a lot on kind of negative parts because um, there are a lot of them um, and there can be a lot of red flags. There can be a lot of unsafe mm -hmm. situations, but there can also be like really beautiful, um, positive relationships, sexual experiences, um, friendships that can develop with the right supports and the right ability to kind of set those boundaries and know what you want. Right, right, right. Well, let's uh, move along to my final question. And this is really my favorite question. I love giving autistic adults the power to advocate. Um, so um, what steps should autistic adults and their supporters take to advocate for our needs? Um, and I've already kind of touched on a few of them. Number one is, you know, I've always said, one of the best ways to be your best self-advocate is to know your autism and to become the expert about explaining your autism to others. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, you know, that includes, you know, anybody you might be romantically involved with and, um, you know, uh, but, you know, and, and before I, we, we, I let you answer my question a little bit more, um, Leah is going to be returning to me on the next episode to talk about that very important subject. Let's talk about consent because consent is a big issue for autistic adults. But for now, we're just gonna kind of focus on this area of dating, romantic relationships and sexuality. So let's talk about some ways that autistic adults can uh, advocate for themselves and how our supporters can take some steps there too, so. Yeah, thank you, that's such a good question. Um, yeah, I just want to say I always, um, when people uh, talk about or ask me about my work, I talk a lot about how like when you meet one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. Autistic person, yes. There, there's like no like, here's how this, you know, like there's strategies that can help all of us in romantic relationships and dating and being able to express our sexuality. But, and I think that's really important to remember too, is that like, all autistic people are very different and becoming like you talked about you, the expert on you is really important and knowing that like gender identity gender expression sexual orientation like those are all very unique to people as well so how you identify can change it can be very fluid or it can be or, or not and like that's fine too and so i think that um acknowledging that there are a lot of intersections um of lgbtq of um gender nonconformity or just um, gender expression uh, in the autistic community is really important to know as well when you, so helping, if you are a caregiver, um, really helping or educator, um, helping people that you work with kind of navigate some of that, being able to say like, okay, here are the different ways people identify and you might identify differently and that's okay. Um, really supporting, um, really, I guess, so there's a lot of, um, I don't know if you do, so there's a number of groups at the Autism Society of Minnesota, and they do uh, classes and groups around sexuality education. So we've, um, I've worked uh, quite a bit with a few of the folks there. Um, Jillian is one of the educators that I work a lot with, big fan of her. Um, she and I go to a lot of basketball games together. Anyways, uh, she's great yes. and teaches amazing, runs amazing groups around all these yeah. topics. And mm -hmm. um, she's autistic. And I think that's really important is to have mm -hmm. um, autistic people 
teaching these classes um, and running these groups because like, I, I don't know if I said this at the beginning, I'm not autistic. Um, I've worked a lot uh, with autistic folks, but I also know that the information coming from an autistic person is gonna be way more valuable than coming from me. And so having, um, being able to have, to train people and to work with people, um, autistic people, to do this work, I think is really important. Um, and so if you are an autistic person and you have a passion for this, um, please reach out. I will share my information. Um, please reach out and we can kind of talk about ways. Um, we've talked a lot about doing sort of like a peer education program. Um, so there are those people that will, so if you are dating, if you are kind of exploring your sexuality, if you do want to have sex, that there are trained people, um, autistic people that you can talk to you can communicate mm -hmm. with, ask questions to. Um, I think that's really important. I think um, one thing I always encourage everyone to do is to think about, is to do some like really like dig in and think about kind of what you want in a relationship, what feels healthy to you, what are your boundaries? Um, and again, like those things change, but like kind of having some time to think about that uh, um, before you get into a relationship, I think is like, can be really powerful and make it easier for you to kind of notice if there are red flags. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I actually didn't mention this when we were talking about barriers, because, but this, this has been an issue that has been, that others have spoken with me about, but um, there are a fair number of autistic people that because there's the sensory processing needs, there are there is the um, the challenges with social communication, verbal and nonverbal, mm -hmm. and, and and whatnot, that um, do not have a good relationship with their own bodies. Yeah, and that's one of those things that is that's really missing in in the conversation, mm -hmm. and I think that. You know, one of those things that is important about advocating for yourself um, in this one is that autistic adults, you do have a right to have a good relationship with your body, regardless of how it works or doesn't work. You, you don't have to sit there and say, my body doesn't do this, so therefore I can't date or find. No, that is just simply not true. You can. It's just, you know, um, learning to work within your your own limits and and or boundaries as we say and and not only you respecting them but helping others to respect them as well um and that's why like i say our next episode we're going to talk about consent because that is one of those things that is so very very complex mm -hmm. for many autistic adults uh but you know uh but the relationships with our own bodies is actually part of our self-advocacy Mm -hmm. I would ask that question. Yeah. So um, please feel free to expound, uh, add to that yeah. if you want. Yes. Oh, no, that, I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that that is really important to for everyone to know that like mm -hmm. autistic folks have the right to privacy. They have the right to, um, yeah, to explore their bodies in ways that feel good to them. Um, I think that really helping people know kind of, um, what are private behaviors and private places? Like where are safe places that you can be, like your bedroom, the bathroom, um, if you're a caregiver, 
like where are safe places that um, the person that you're caregiving for can go to explore their body to learn what feels good for them and to encourage that like they like everyone and it's you know autistic folks like deserve privacy they deserve the right to um, feel good about their bodies to learn about their bodies to know how they work um, to know what their um, what their what all their parts do um, and yeah what feels good to them and so that's another thing that I really encourage um, people that I do classes with do is to figure out like yeah what feels good to you um, we know we talked about this at the beginning but that like sex is very sensory um, and so different things might feel are di like not might different things feel good to different people and so taking the time to explore your own body uh, and feel um, to you know masturbate to um, use a mirror and kind of look at your body so you are familiar with how it looks um, to move it in different ways um, to use different sort of um, sensory as far as like being in the shower or being um, in your bed or um, having different sensory experiences with yourself before you find a partner I think can be um, really important and a good way for you to know like going into it, here are things that I've done and I've tried and I know feel good to me. And I think that can be a really powerful, um, as far as like self-advocacy, like kind of brings some of your confidence up if you know what, yeah, what your body does, what it looks like, how it moves and how it feels yeah. and different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and many, many, um, many autistics won't really know how their bodies respond to other people touching them until it happens. And that can be part of their sensory exploration with their bodies is how it responds to another individual they're interacting with. And, uh, you know, um, yes, it, it can be challenging to find a partner who will, who will be sensitive to that um, without pl placing um, inappropriate expectations on that person right. or, you know, um, you know, um, here's one of those places that I'm going to advocate advocate that you and I uh, emailed back and forth about. Um, there's one matter regarding uh, sexuality and, um, and sensory processing that some may not be aware. Um, sexuality is a very diverse thing. Everybody has their things they like to do, the things they don't like to do, things they experiment with, and that sort of thing. And um, one of those conversations that has come up on more than one occasion with with others from with me and other autistic adults i uh encounter through my own communications is that um for some of us who are hyposensitive to certain um stigma uh, stimulation um may need more than just the typical things done during sex um oral um, intercourse and that sort of thing. And so there are those who will reach for um, the more kinky forms of sex that I know a lot of people don't like to talk about them, but they do need to be discussed. But the point being is that they'll reach out for those things because they need that for their sensory inputs. Um, I know of autistic gay men who they use, you know, SNM, B&D, and some of those other role-playing things because it helps them, number one, feel like they're in control. Yep. Number two, it can help them feel like, you know, they can say that works for me, that doesn't work for me, 
and also because you know they need that sensory input to feel like they're in um they're in a controlled situation where they can say what they want and don't want mm -hmm. and i have also heard many that you know part of the role playing is that the 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 matter of consent is so very specific word specific yes. and so and so the thing that i want to add to this conversation that is so important is that yes there are autistic people that do re reach for i'm going to call them the more diverse aspects of sexuality yeah. that may not be comfortable for others but you know they need those things um and then you know it's okay that they need them and let, let's stop let's stop marginalizing them because they seek those things out please because i have i have heard of a number who have gone to therapists and they have tried to basically get all that stuff out of their system because that's the, of how they treat it and um i can say that my own therapist is in addition to being really great with um with autism is also um, a sex therapist who has had to undo what many therapists have done before him yes. um because because of how they've been told you know these things are dangerous when in fact they're not really dangerous it's just a matter of how they how they function right. feel free to uh, to to expand on that if you want yeah yes oh i think that's yeah thank you for bringing that up i think that You're welcome we don't talk about um, that enough that like, yes, that um, BDSM, kink, like all of those things are, can be like a really beautiful, positive um, part of people's relationships. And you're right that um, autistic folks often, like because of their sensory needs, um, that that can increase their pleasure if they are in a relationship that, um, yeah, has those pieces in it. After this final commercial break, I will conclude my talk with Leah Bauman-Smith immediately following that, today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. Stay tuned. If you are the caregiver of someone who is autistic, affected by dementia, cancer, or any other condition, be sure to listen to the podcast Caregiver Chronicles by Sarah and Jeremy Brown. You can find the link to their podcast on the homepage of todaysautisticmoment.com. Support comes from Minnesota Independence College and Community, a life and career skills program for young adults with autism and learning differences. Help a young adult take a step towards their independence and a vibrant life. Learn more at miccommunity.org. Leah Bauman-Smith will return for the next episode, Autistic Adults, Let's Talk About Consent. The issue of consent is a sensitive topic for many who have been victims of sexual violence. Leah and I will talk about what consent is and is not, 
we will talk about what consent means and how autistic adults and those we love can support and respect our right to give or rescind our consent. Don't miss this episode. October is coming out month for LGBTQIA people. It needs to be said that coming out as being autistic and of a diverse sexual orientation or gender identity is very similar. On October 4th, I will publish the episode Autistic Adults Coming Out as Autistic, Transgender, and Non-Binary. Samuel Woodard, a 22-year-old trans-masculine non-binary person who is also autistic, will join me to talk about his experiences. Other episodes coming this fall will be about managing relationships with other autistics, preparing for the sensory unfriendly holidays, substance abuse addiction, substance abuse recovery, and internet safety. Be sure to visit the podcast episodes part of todaysautisticmoment.com so you can go to the upcoming episodes page to read the descriptions of upcoming shows. Also join today's Autistic Moment community group page on Facebook. Thank you for listening to today's Autistic Moment. Welcome back. Oh, I want to thank you for, for being part of this particular episode. I think you've given us a lot to think about and to process, which is good. Um, and so um, thank you for being on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you would like to look at a few online resources regarding autistic adults, dating, romantic relationships, sexuality, and consent, Go to my Adult Autism Resources Links page at todaysautisticmoment.com forward slash adult links forward slash. Look for the Consentability website that helps people with disabilities learn about and exercise their right of consent. Also look for the Mad Hatter Wellness Courses and the Mad Hatter Wellness Events. Today's Autistic Community Bulletin Board. On Sunday, September 19th, 2021, Minnesota Independence College and Community invites you to their fourth annual Independence 5K Run Walk at Donaldson Park in Richfield, Minnesota. Check-in registration is at 9.15 a.m. The race starts at 10 a.m. Go to www.miccommunity.org forward slash 5k. The Autism Society of Minnesota has just released their education catalog for 2021-2022. The catalog has information regarding classes for understanding autism and autism certification, skill shops, interdependence, membership, and counseling services. Go to ausm.org to download the catalog. Registration is now open to attend the Virtual Autism Community Summit 2021 on Saturday, September 18th from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. 
Go to AUSM.org to register. If you have any questions for me, you can always send an email to PKLOWE at todaysautisticmoment.com. Thank you for listening to Today's Autistic Moment, a podcast for autistic adults by an autistic adult. Thank you.